Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome back, Ram Nation, to episode 14 of season two. This is the Black Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein, alongside my buddies and diehard fans of Ram Nation, Chris Mason, Connor Bailey, and Caleb Jones. And this weekly podcast is presented by River City Roll. Don't call River City Roll a bowling alley. River City Roll is Richmond's entertainment scene capital with live music, chef-inspired menu, heated outdoor patio, and boutique bowling. River City Roll also features the best live entertainment every Friday and Saturday night. No cover. This week they got Shades of Grey, Friday, 216, starting at 9, and then Saturday, feel free on Saturday the 17th. It says free entry. So there's something for everyone at River City Roll off Arthur Ashe Boulevard near Scott's, rivercityroll.com. Absolutely, and we hang out there after VCU games. Me and you were killing a couple pitchers of the River City Roll beer. Uh, but I missed the game against Dayton at the Seagulls Center because I was in Vegas. So why don't you guys set the scene for me? What was it like against Dayton? Such an energizing win. The crowd was incredible all night. Um, I think it really helped the team lock in on defense and, uh, yeah, hold Dayton to their lowest scoring total of the season. Hey, well, where did you watch? Were you at a casino or something? I was at the Luxor Hotel, and so I went to the sports book there, and I took advantage of the fact that you can't bet on VCU when you're here in Virginia. And so I took VCU and Dayton under 62.5 in the first half. Not a sweat, Connor. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was a pretty good bet right there. Not a lot of scoring in that game. You know, two weeks prior uh, to this weekend, we kind of saw a blueprint on how to beat Dayton. If you're an A-10 team, Richmond really mucked it up against them. <laughs> the Robinson, what was that, 20-15 to 15 or 23-18 at the half, something like that? Uh, so that right away, you, you kind of saw, hey, you know, you've got to muck it up. You know, just play hard-nosed defense. That's what we did. Uh, the crowd was good. A lot, of, a lot of times in the game, there were times when you felt like they were going to, like, explode. <laughs> you know, scores 49-47. There wasn't a lot of opportunity for that. But it was awesome, man, especially the last minute or two. And uh, quite frankly, thank goodness, Deron Holmes went 5-13 from the free throw line. Um, which, hey, you credit VCU for wearing him down in the crowd because he was clearly – his head clearly wasn't there shooting free throws. Yeah, I thought it was a uh, master class on defense, especially on Holmes. Um, and like you said, the – the free throws, I mean, yes, he went 5-for-13. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the game would have played out a little bit differently. I think you can't, you can't just say that, oh, yeah, you know, he, if he made his free throws, Dayton would have won. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, you, you respond differently. Um, but I just thought that over the course of the game, uh, we were the tougher team. And the fact that we didn't score in the last six minutes and still won, it just says everything about our defensive performance that game. And we got the baskets when we needed to. And, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a clutch performance all around. And, um, yeah, great defense on that last possession, too, when I thought that Dayton was going to take a three. I thought they were, too. I thought they were going to go for the kill there. Uh, but, yeah, you mentioned, you know, Dayton, shutting down Dayton's offense. They're 21st in the nation in Ken Palm adjusted, adjusted offense. 16th in the nation in effective field goal percentage. 8th in the nation in three-point field goal percentage. Now, in A-10 play, it's, fall, it's dropped a little bit. But they were, like, 4th entering A-10 play. So, they're 8th in the nation in three-point uh, field goal percentage, uh, and then 68th in the nation in, in two-point field goal percentage. So they're a good, they're a good offensive team that we held to 47 points on Friday night. Uh, wasn't the most beautiful game in the world, but it was a hard-nosed game. My dad, I mean, if you if if you could tell him, hey, we're about to see VCU win a game 90 to 80, and it's gonna be a lot of fun, or we're gonna watch a game 49 47, he gets down for the old school games. Yeah. He like he likes you know he likes both coaches. Like he said, Dayton's bench the whole time. The, the, the assistant coaches are yelling at the players, you know, like you know pumping them up and stuff because we're we're behind the Dayton bench and stuff. My dad loves these games me i'm a little you know they're stressful man. Yeah. but uh no it was uh those last six minutes felt like they took like three hours but uh hey it was awesome though chris i had an interesting uh viewing experience right so i won the 
won the bet the first half there. And then in the second half, I didn't want to place a bet because I was just so nervous. But this guy comes up, old man sits next to me, and I don't know what bet he had. I think it was probably Dayton plus points there or or the over. But anytime Dayton scored in the second half, he started cheering. And so the final six minutes, we were like kind of going at each other nice. as both teams were struggling to score. Uh, but it was a great week of shows from Vegas. I did want to play you guys a clip of my conversation with radio superstar Kevin Harlan. We're the home of VCU basketball. When oh. I say VCU hoops, what comes to mind? Maynard with a big-time shot on the fly to beat Duke. <laughs> I remember that. And Coach Grant, oh, I remember that. Buffalo, New York, I remember that like it was yesterday. Shot. I mean, it was thrilling. And I'm, I love Duke, and I love Coach K. But whenever you have a team like that knock off the big guy, uh, that, that makes, that, that makes a, a lot happen. And um, Shaka, was, right, was he the coach of that one? Or was it Coach Grant? Who, who coach, coach Grant. And coach, then, yep. coach Grant. Um, so listen, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, that remains one of my uh, best memories of doing the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I love hearing Kevin Harlan's voice. To me, he's one of the best commentators in the game. And uh, for him to remember, have, have such a vivid memory of that game that, uh, you know, we all so fondly remember, uh, that, that's pretty awesome. Ten seconds left, and here we go. Mayner, is this the dagger? Just hearing that call. And I remember, like, after the shots made, you know, they're, they're showing Christian Leitner's from Buffalo. Um, so they're showing Christian Leitner. He's sitting by the bench, and he's, he's, and he's, uh, Kevin Harlan's kind of talking. He's like, they could use Christian Leitner right now and stuff like that. But I just remember uh, talking about uh, Eric Mayner, who was like the sophomore from Fayetteville, North Carolina, growing up in the pros of North Carolina and Duke basketball. Uh, it's so cool that you met Kevin Harlan because I think he's one of the best at football and basketball in, of all broadcasts in all of America. Yeah, I remember I picked Duke in my bracket. It was pre-VCU uh, fan days, and I was, like, so confused. I was like, Virginia Commonwealth just beat Duke? I was like, what is this school? I've never heard of it. So that's the first time I heard of VCU. Bracket buster, for yeah. sure. That was awesome. I mean, I got goosebumps when I just – I asked him about VCU, and that's that's immediately what he said. I mean, you heard the clip. There was no pause. He just jumped in with Maynard with the big shot. Yeah, no, that's, that's an awesome um, little uh, – interview you had there uh but yeah sorry well getting back to Dayton and Anthony Grant who was uh, such a big part of that clip um our, again we held another team to four points four I mean four three-pointers in a game especially with Kobe Brea on their team leads the country in three-point shooting uh to hit, for him to only have two our defense is great but then on the flip side of that Jason Nelson uh what a great game from him I mean his energy off the bench especially in that first half hitting those three threes was huge uh, we certainly couldn't have done it without him. Big, because he, um, he struggled against Fordham. Uh, overall, we put okay, but he struggled from three against Fordham. He had a lot of chances, a lot of open looks up at, up at Rose Thoreau last week and just didn't hit him. So seeing him hit two early ones against Dayton and then one later in the first half, huge. I mean, that was – Jason Nelson's offense was kind of the difference maker in the whole, in the whole oh, darn thousand game. Percent. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, Chris, you didn't go to the post-game press conference, did you? But I know Zach Joaquin posted a, a clip of Anthony Grant saying that Z uh, Jason Nelson was the difference in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we needed a guy who doesn't usually score just exactly what he did, so that was awesome. I wanted to bring up, Caleb, the defense against Deron Holmes. It was really good when he got the ball. I thought it was even better him trying to post up. Like, I mean, in the final four minutes, I think Toby had two steals where he just kind of jumped in front of the passing lane. They did a great job fronting him. I mean, just overall, they made him kind of look like a scrub at times. Yeah, no, Toby and Furman both did an excellent job. Um, I mean, they both... Uh, got their fair share of fouls with four apiece, but you know uh, that ended up working out with his performance at the free throw line. But yeah, like you said, I thought they did a really good job fronting him and just not letting him get to the spots that he wanted. Um, I mean, you know, he's leading the—is he second or first in the A10 in scoring? I think King is actually ahead of him, uh, but if he's he's A10, he's gonna be A10 player. That's yeah. a guy that no, we shut for, down without also. a doubt. But I mean, yeah, yeah. for to, to hold him to 12 points, yeah. that's just a, a great performance. And you know, we've been. Slightly critical of those two, Toby and Furman, and they showed up uh, in a big way in the biggest, probably the biggest game of our season. Who wore the uh, the Holmes called for a hook late in the game? I think that was Toby. That was Toby, right? Yeah, that was Toby. Was, yep. Watching it, definitely the correct call. Good call. When it yeah. first happened, I was like, oh my, another defensive yep. foul. But that, I mean, that was the right call, and Holmes didn't even argue about it. He kind of knew it. But that, I mean, Toby kind of just wore that one, so that was a big play. Adam, you mentioned the uh, the pass that you, Toby like fronted him, and Santos. So, Poor pass by Sanders. Good player. Darn good player. But it was a poor pass. But Toby was ready. He was fronting Holmes. And uh, when you're playing a star player, I mean, that's what you got to do, man. 
Oh, I mean, they targeted Holmes the entire final eight minutes of the game, basically, and, and we shut them out, shut down the entire team. I, I just want to give, you know, Furman and Lawal deserve a lot of credit defensively, but it was a full team effort against Dayton. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we don't get this win without the guys on the perimeter playing the three-point defense that they Even did. Even Kwani Kwani had a big block. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, the guys like Zeb, Shulga, I mean, it's not really going to show up a ton in the stat line, but, I mean, those guys have just been playing great perimeter defense, and uh, it's essential when you play a team that can light it up from deep like Dayton. Um, but I thought Zeb had a great game. I mean, he only had nine points, uh, but he went on a – I think it was a seven-point run himself, uh, which, like the Richmond game, that three-pointer he hit against Richmond that kind of broke things open – I think the three-pointer, um, you know, I, I, you can't say it broke it up and offensively for us, <laughs> but it gave us a little bit of air and I and and a little bit of uh, you know energy. And uh, yeah, I thought. And then Zeb uh, again right after that followed it up with a great uh, spin move, oh, the dri- scoop. dribble move, scoop on Kobe Elvis. That was a great I mean, move. Him navigating through traffic. I don't know how he got through there. They showed a slow mo video on the uh, VCU Instagram account. Uh, I mean that 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 dribble move was sick. But, yeah, just great minutes from Zeb. Um, one other guy to highlight, um, Sean Bear. So, just a very calm, um, under-control game from him. Eight rebounds was huge. So, just a lot of guys chipping in. Um, and, you know, the point totals will not wow you. But, uh, you know, we certainly did enough to get it done. If if I had no idea what the final score was, and I just watched the game, and I wasn't looking at a boss score, and, he, and you just told me Zeb Jackson had six, 16 or 17 points, I would have been like, yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because he had a, that little 7-0 run early in the first or early in the second half. But no, he played a great game. Uh, you mentioned Bearstow. It's just it's remarkable how much of a calming presence he had when he has the ball in his hands, and it's something we kind of missed in the second half up at, up in Olean a few weeks ago in St. Bonaventure. Uh, but he just he if the team's not moving very well, or we just need a you know, he's not a get a bucket guy, but he's someone who, when the ball's in his hands, I trust him, and that's yep. that, that's that's a huge part of. Barrett's I'm glad game. you brought that up because I feel like when Sean has the ball in his hands, you're going to somebody on the team's going to get a good shot opportunity because you know we talked about the the little back down fadeaway. I love the shot. Matt Shelton eyed thinks it's a bad shot because statistically he doesn't make it that often, but he can get it whenever he wants. And then if you cover that, he can dump it down low to Toby or kick it back out. You know, I agree with you, Connor. When he has the ball offensively, we're going to get a good look. Yeah, and I mean, we're basically running the offense out of him now, wherever that might be on the floor. And um, But, yeah, he went 3-for-9 from the floor, 0-for-3 from 3. And, you know, he almost shot 40%, we'll get to this later, from 3 uh, last year at Utah State. But I think that he's got to keep taking that little post-fade uh, shot because yeah. I mean it, it at least it keeps the defense on us or you can pass out of it so um, yeah I mean Sean Barstow is is huge for this defense and Connor like you said he's definitely a settling presence this is the black gold fan podcast an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 a fan now at 105 one FM new episodes every week it's Adam Epstein alongside Caleb Jones Connor Bailey and Chris Mason who is the professor Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason. Crowd rating. All right, so I had a different experience than normal. Um, started out at Gus's on Broad for a birthday party. Oh, cool. Yeah, good location. Um, and then hopped on the Pulse right after like a pregame birthday thing. Um, so that was really fun. And then um, got to the stadium, was in section 16, kind of like the f- corner near the flag. It was pretty good. Um, but as we were saying, low scoring, so it never really got hype. It was kind of like a nervous energy. Um, there wasn't a full free T-shirt thing, so there's decent participation with the gold out. So I'm gonna actually going to need to rely on the stat monster because I've been – you were the only one – there in or in the same seat like all for richmond game st louis game this game awad you missed this latest one i was in a different seat but right now in my head i think st louis was the loudest so far this season then richmond then dayton so right now i'm going in with a b for this game i thought it was like good but it wasn't it was average kind of interesting um for me i think it was an a i mean uh I thought the gold out for the most part looked pretty good. Um, and from my vantage point, I just felt like, 
yes, it was a nervous energy, but we were ahead the majority of the game, and you could just feel the gravity of the game. Uh, you know, it was, it was after we beat Richmond, every game gets more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then who comes next? It's Dayton. It's like, you know, the person you compete for the top spot in the conference with. And I think that people almost wanted this game more than the U of R game because we won the U of R game, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, right. you want to keep the positive momentum going forward. And I just felt like the crowd reflected that. I thought the students were great. Uh, you know, <laughs> I call it defending free throws in the second half. But having the band on one side and then the uh, the the Streamer inflatable thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were cool. That, it's kind of weird to have one side just with nothing and one side with and it. They kind of mess with them. Yeah, home to <laughs> miss all those to, free throws. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was trash from the free throw line in the second half. So, I mean. Yeah, I, don't know, maybe, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really think that it like totally was the reason, but I'll bump that up to B plus. Then. So, but I think me, me, me personally, that was an A for sure. Okay. Connor, so I'm pretty sure I was sick last weekend, like straight up, uh-huh. and uh, it's it's like in, I remember at college, I went to a game against LaSalle. It was the first game when Brown after Brown got hurt, and I like I had strep throat, and I was like, I'm just going to this basketball game. I don't really care. <laughs> like, um, so I was like definitely like kind of sick last weekend. Uh, so like it was one of those things where your hearing's like I feel like my hearing wasn't 100. Yeah. So I wasn't like it wasn't like I was 100 percent attentive the whole game, and uh-huh. I was drinking too. So yeah, I still got problems. You know, I'm getting <laughs> sick and drinking. Um, I will say it, it was where I was sitting with Chris. So I, I have a similar view from him. There have been times I've walked out of the Seagull Center, um, and the big, the the large scale is like LaSalle and stuff like, or excuse me, LSU games like that where they were close and we won. Where you're walking out and you're still bumping. I will say, walking out of the game Friday, it was awesome. I feel like myself and everyone else were like, Phew. <laughs> like just we held on because like I mean I'm sitting there the whole, we played great defense, but this is Dayton. They're ranked. They're a good team. I'm, there were times I was waiting for Bre- you know Brea finally hit a three down the, late in the game at the end of the shot clock. I was waiting for Brea to hit two or three threes. I was waiting for Holmes to take over at times, and it just never happened. So I did I did kind of walk out of the single center just like. Phew. Yeah, definitely a sigh of relief. No doubt about that. Chris, we've been looking for a pregame spot, and so I'm interested what Gus's was like. And then so you took the pulse like two blocks, three blocks. What was that ride like? It's pretty, there's like a New York subway. You're like hanging on to the thing and it's not all, there's random people on there, but it, it is same with um, Ram's house. It's right outside of stop. So it goes like Gus, then Ram's house, then I think VC's next. So mm. there might be one other one in there, but it's a good, good idea. So it's not a long bus ride at all. No, it's like 10 minutes, maybe five. Yeah. But yeah, over, good crowds overall this year. I uh, Part of the crowd review, I do want to get your guys' take on, the national attention VCU got because Barstool's mint seat oh, yeah. was at the game and he did a workout with Coach Roos and then I believe he was at one point he was rocking with the band and then he did a half court shot. Did you guys notice any no, of that? So I'm definitely not a stoolie. Um but that guy seemed he seems pretty cool, I guess. Um but yeah, I mean I thought that there was a lot of pub that we got from him just being there and it seemed like he was loving the band and yeah, definitely some good some good recognition for us. The other thing I'll point out, and hopefully I'm not stealing your point, Connor, um, but there's three college basketball games on that night, and we were the 7 o'clock window. That was huge. I mean, if you're a sicko like all of us, <laughs> you know, you're going to watch whatever Friday night college basketball is on unless you have like some sweet dinner plans or you know, you're going out Boo. someplace cool. I mean, a lot of eyes were on that. I would love to see the TV ratings from that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we probably got a lot of eyes on us, especially – upsetting a national I mean, team. With, with that being said, I was at the Vegas sports book with a ton of games on. We yeah. were the one with sound. Yeah. Wow. And, and it, maybe it was because I placed a big wager, but <laughs> that was the, we were the game with sound. <laughs> Seeing, um, you know, so post game, I went straight to curbside and I was drinking and stuff, hanging out and socializing. I mean, Caleb and I, we were, uh, we were, we were ki- kicking some, kicking some butt at curbside Saturday <laughs> night or Friday night. You know, we were, we were mingling with some people, but uh, no, it was, it was a good time. But I didn't, I didn't check Twitter till probably about 1230, 1245 Friday night. And that's when I saw Rostein, um, Kevin, uh, Kevin Sweeney, the, 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 those national, uh, I, I believe uh, Rob Douster from, uh, from field of 68, these national accounts tweeting, which I mean, I'll be honest, man, a v- VCU, if VCU hosts Rhode Island a few weeks on Wednesday night, yeah, it's a CBS sports member game. If we win that at home, I don't think a lot of national, it's, I don't not national people are gonna be tweeting about it because you got it's the second to last week of the year. You got big SEC, big ACC, big Big Twelve games and stuff. No one cares if VCU beats Rhode Island at home Friday night. There's three games. We beat Dayton, a ranked Dayton team uh, with a with a All American contender. I mean, Duran Holmes the second. I'm not saying he's first team. There's a good chance he's second or third team All American. He's the number two Ken Palm player in the nation right now. It was cool to have eyeballs on us. 
Yeah, I'd heard of that guy briefly. I think he went to Ole Miss, but like it was, he said it was the best like college basketball band he's ever seen. And like that kind of feels like how we were in college. Like it was kind of the national, like the Peppos were famous going around. They still do it. They like rent the bus and go around Brooklyn, but BC was more on the national stage. So it's good seeing them get back there. Shout out to Ryan and the Peppos. Last thing here with the crowd review Sean Berstow, there was a clip of him after the game asking the fan base. Where is the court storming at? Was there Thank any, God was, we did not storm was, the court. Was, was there any vibe like the students were no, close to no, it or no? Not, no, not even They know close. the rule. No. Connor? I respect Sean. I, I understand what he's looking at, but um, we are not the University of Richmond. The, the, <laughs> the only way that we storm the court is if someone's ranked number one in the country and you know we beat them at home. I think that's like the only scenario I could I, say. I could have seen us storming the court. If it was a game-winning VCU shot there, because it was such a back-and-forth game, but maybe I'm wrong. Connor, when's the last we, court storm? Oklahoma, November 2009. <laughs> uh, That's the VCU historian. There's just, there's ne- just no next s- subject. <laughs> there's no scenario where we storm the court, especially against a conference opponent. Not a chance. Take that for data. Now it's time to break down the Jimmys and Joes and the X's and O's with the <laughs> Stat Monster. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the Stat Monster. On the heels of another rock fight, I wanted to dig into the statistics and see why do we keep playing in games this way, and is this a good way to continue winning? And I came up with a tagline called the power of one. VCU is 13-0. VCU is undefeated when our opponent has less than one point per possession. Consider these Ken Palm numbers. Our effective field goal percentage on defense is fourth in the country. Our opponent three-point shooting percentage defense is eighth in the country. Our opponent two-point shooting percentage defense is 26th in the country. And our block percentage on defense is 39th in the country. In A-10 play, VCU is currently number one in three-point shooting offense and defense. And we just held the number one overall offense, Dayton. Uh, Kim Palm adjusted offensive efficiency of 21 to 47 points. And as Connor said earlier, our Kim Palm adjusted defensive efficiency is 36 nationally. So I think what you're seeing here is the VCU has a new identity. And in a second, I want to get y'all's thoughts and maybe some general discussion on this. But our defensive style is starting to make more sense when you – think about our tempo which is 295th nationally Um, we're playing a slower more methodical defensive centric uh, game Um, and to me it is some sort of hybrid between VCU Havoc and a UVA I mean a UVA pack line type of defense now it's very much not either of those things but I think it is something in between especially when you consider that our opponents Average possession length is 18.1 seconds, which is 317th nationally. So as slow as we're playing, our opponents are playing even slower. So um, to me, stylistically, we are a defensive first team. And clearly, uh, when we limit our opponent to less than one point per possession, it's a very effective way to play basketball. So with that in mind, do you guys think that going forward, this is a a sustainable way to continue winning, uh, particularly going into March, playing in the A-10 tournament, and hopefully getting an NCAA tournament. I've done the math. Checks out. Look, I I do think that we can still win these rock fights, and here's why. I like our chances if we're tied or down by two within the final four minutes of the game because I feel like – and that's why I've been saying our identity is – we're a good defensive team that scores when we want to because I truly feel that way, and I don't think we've hit our strides offensively. We have so many different guys that can score. You mentioned it, nine different guys that have led the team in scoring. So as long as we're within two or four points and it's a rock fight, I like our offense has a chance to explode and get us wins. I think the the better days of this offense are still ahead of it. Um, like we were talking about with Sean Bear, so I think at some point he gets going more. Um Another stat, we are number one in the A-10 in bench points with 26.2 points per game, yep. which is 34th nationally. Um, we talked about the nine different score, leading scores we've had throughout the season, second in the country. Um, you know, Clearly, we have depth scoring the ball. Um, so I think with the defense that we have, when the offense is hitting on all cylinders, this team can be very dangerous. 
Connor, I'm wondering what you think because I, I do think the bench points are great, but the numbers are skewed because Barristow has come off the bench. Bamasil has come off the bench and scored 29 in a game. So I love our bench. I don't know if it's as good as it is uh, nationally ranked. I think it's a little skewed because of those. The, the Bamasil's burner, the home games against Slew and the Lolo, where he scored like 55 points total in like two games. That affects it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we do have a good bench. Nelson, Toby has games where he scores 10, 12 points on the bench. Uh, going back to what Caleb said, uh, I think we could win games this way. We, I don't think you can't win. It's very hard to win three rock fights on a neutral court in March. Mm. Uh, I mean, you, you could win one or two on a neutral court in March if you're playing three games. In our case, it'll be it'll end up being three games in four days, more than likely. I, I it's just hard to do that. It, you got you have to have a game where you you shoot forty plus percent from three. It's just more more than likely. So I, it's a good question. I I. I wouldn't want us winning three straight games in a row where it's like grinded out. I mean, especially by Sunday, teams are it's winter go home or it's, it's you're tired. And we'll as we get as we inch closer to March and into March, we'll discuss this more. So I think it's a good question. I um <clears throat> I think our offen- our better offensive days are are there too. Regarding kind of our style, so it is kind of funny. It's you know we have a new coaching regime this year, and a lot of people thought, hey, you know the offense would be so much different. Offense on Ken Palm adjusted efficiency is one thirty right now, which is fine. I mean, honestly, it would be. There, only one of Rhodes' teams ever was better than that. I, I believe Bones' is great year three years ago, they were like 122 on offense. They were always top 20 defense, though. And we're 30, was it 36, 37 right now in Ken Palm? Uh, this year, I think it's fine. I, I think Odom and staff, as they start to get their own kind of, obviously, Shulgin and Barristow are technically their own players, but they, they kind of inherited them at Utah State already. I think our offense will be better as soon as it starts to get their guys. Uh, but bottom line is, I think we need we'll need some more efficient offense if we want to three we win three games on a neutral site in March. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. We're gonna have to have it. Um, when you look at like last year's A ten tournament run, uh, our offense just kind of out of nowhere went, went nuts. I mean, Humming, baby. That was a big credit to Jaden Nunn had a, one great game. Jameer Watkins played great in all of them. Hey, speaking of those guys, they went off for 27 and 26 yesterday. Yeah. They, Jameer ball they're all, they're out in Brooklyn last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that I think we have the guys. We have the guns to do that. Um, when I was mentioning points per possession, we have won three games where we've allowed the opponent to score over one point per possession. Um Penn State, Temple, and Loyola, Chicago. So, uh, just I, you can still win when your defense isn't elite, but you got to bring the offense, like we've been saying. And uh, I, th- I, th- I think we can. Um, you know, again, number one three point shooting percentage team in in the conference. We get to the free throw line a heck of a lot. So I, I think that um, as long as the defense keeps doing what it's doing, and we and the opponent has less than one point per possession. We'll be good. Well, Caleb, it does feel like our stats throughout the season are improving to the point where we, we haven't fully peaked yet, but we're on an upwards trajectory, which is where you want to be February 14th. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of numbers you can look at. Uh, I mean, even just like our turnover percentage was was very, very bad yeah. in the start of con- uh, out-of-conference play. And that's – I mean, I'd, I'd have to look at our national rank, but that's tremendously better. Um, and when we talk about a possession battle and points per, um, you know, that's essential. Our defense was right around 100. Like, we were both humming around 100 on both offensive defense and Ken Palm prior to the Richmond game. And it's 37th on Ken Palm as of, as of this morning. I mean, <laughs> it's a big change. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and I keep mentioning the four threes <laughs> almost like every game we play. And, you know, some, some teams are going to come out here and bust us for a bunch of threes. But, I mean, if you're just – I mean, a lot of teams – their point distribution, they're getting 30-some points from the three-point line, uh, you know, and we're limiting teams to 12. Yeah. That really, really hampers your offense. Well, and three-point percentage is always weird because you know, no matter how good defense you play, a guy could bang a shot in your face. But as of late, you're seeing less defensive breakdowns, and so we're forcing guys to shoot threes with a hand in their face. Yeah, I and mean, we're really good at it, and I think it kind of boils down to three things. One, focus, the defensive staff has – just really, really done a good job of us chasing guys over ball screens, switching and hedging hard. Uh, two, our depth, and uh, three is our length. I mean, we're the 67th tallest team in the country, and that's just height. I mean, when you look at guys like Joe Bamisil with a seven-foot wingspan and Kawani, who I'm sure has like a seven-foot wingspan, 
Barriso six eight, Shulga six five. You know, I mean, like we have a lot of ways to get out on that three point shooter. So the Rams got a big win over Dayton and have all week to prepare for a trip at St. Louis. But before we preview that game, we wanted to take this time to go around the eight cents. So I'll go through the standings. You guys cut me off when you want to chime in here. St. Louis, uh, excuse me, LaSalle's two and ten on the season. Our matchup Friday, St. Louis, they're 2-9. and nine. Do you feel like they're playing better ball? Yeah, definitely. They pushed uh, St. Joe's to the to the brink, and they just have the A-10 player of the week, Sincere, uh, Par- Sincere Parker. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, get, we'll get to him in a second. Yeah, <laughs> over, over, over 30 in those past two games. But, yes, um, they are playing better basketball. Honestly, I don't mean this in like a <laughs> – in a negative way, but I thought it was just a dead horse and people were just going to start beating it and over and over again. <laughs> but uh, they've they found a little life. And I say that with all the Travis Ford stuff that's going on because it seems like he's kind of in a lame duck uh, days, season. Days are numbered. Season here. <laughs> um, so I don't know. But, yeah, uh, they have guys that are capable of scoring the ball. Gibson, Jemerson, Ezeweiro, Sincere Parker, clearly. Um, so I think that we got to make sure we got those three guys covered up. GW 3-8, and eight, they've lost seven in a row. You could say they're lost in the blue fog. <laughs> Those three teams you just mentioned, GW, SLU, and LaSalle, yes, they're at the bottom of the standings. Those three are playing in the pillow fight. I mean, there's – I don't – You think GW too, for sure? They stink right now. I mean, yeah. they stink. Is Buchanan hurt? He missed the he missed last night's game. Uh, for for listeners right now, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. So last night, Mason and GW uh, played. Uh, Mason play, blew them out. Yeah, I mean th- th- yeah, those. They, I the, thought they're going to hang up. Like those three teams. Points. I'm not saying they all finished 13, 14, 15. They're they're all three heading to the pillow fight. <laughs> Duquesne and Davidson, both teams are four and seven. Okay, um, I will say Duquesne's starting to look like they got a little more teeth. They got they got, um, they got a juice to their offense. They had they. I mean, they have a very good roster. I don't know what happened on that 0-5 or that losing streak where they Some lost five losses. straight. Yeah. But, um, I mean, didn't they lose to Davidson at home? Uh, last last Wednesday, they had that was their one awful in, – in the last – so they're they're 4-2, and two, and they also beat Chicago State. Remember that game? Yeah. They're 5-2 in their last seven games. They have a random home loss to Davidson where they played awful. Other yeah. than that, they played pretty well. Yeah, Davidson, uh, speaking of them, they lost Skogman for the year, um, yeah. which is a pretty big blow, but – Actually, Reed Bailey, who was a really high recruit coming out of high school, is starting to play really well. So, uh, definitely not an addition by subtraction type of situation there. But uh, that that uh, there's not really a lot of fall off. But I don't think there's really you know much more vertical room for them. Fordham Rams are four and six, but surprisingly mm. four and two on the road. They stink at home. They're yeah. awful. It's weird because they were really fun at home last year. <laughs> Rhode Island and St. Bonaventure, both teams five and six. I don't want to have to face off against St. Bonaventure again. No, yeah, in in Brooklyn, Schmidt just always has them running like a top. I don't know why, but uh, steer clear of them. Yeah, I mean, I expect them to win their next game and get back to five hundred. They face off against Fordham tonight and that would put them even uh with umass g uh george mason and st joe's for that second four right and that's really important when you get to conference play the seedings between five and eight uh definitely and well selfishly for us we just need to keep that two game cushion between those those four three or four teams um in term in terms of who i think might emerge out of there yeah um, who's gonna finish fifth i think that St. Joe's can be the best out of them when they're playing their best ball, but I just don't trust them um, just because, I mean, they almost got beat by St. Louis at home the other night. I second their, that. Their defense is just kind of um, – it can be catatonic at times. But I think that uh, – I think UMass is probably the most complete team out of them. Mason, I think, is a little too – Well, Mason's uh, schedule is going to suck. I mean, they play Dayton tough, and then Loyola. Yeah, yeah they're a little too uh, – predictable too in terms of who their shooters are and i know that darius maddox i think he, he didn't missed, he didn't play last night yeah so maybe some some injury stuff going on there but i think Keyshawn hall the scouting reports out on him a little bit so sorry what do you got i'm intrigued to see what happens there so you know you haven't mentioned the top four which i understand you're kind of separating those and i, I think i i don't know the order of richmond dayton loyola vcu and it all when it's all said and done these four teams should finish in the top four it would it would require like two vcu probably two definitely three losses to probably break that, uh, which could happen. But I feel pretty confident those four would be in the top four. Uh, I'm really intrigued how Joe's, UMass, Mason, and Bonaventure kind of work out, kind of like what you guys were saying. Any of those could finish fifth. Any of those could be the eight seed. Right. 
and that's I'm interested by that because I that, could honestly see Sam Bonaventure jumping up to five. I could also so see like, I could also yeah. see them laying some eggs and being eight. I, I don't. I, no, there's a reason all these teams are six and five, five and six. Like they're just kind of you've seen their best. You also see some them throw some duds up there. Yeah, um, Rhode Island looks like a really physical, stout team. They play but their defense is actually very bad when you look at their points per possession. Yeah, I was saying um, that I, they play a lot more, a lot harder than I like in the non-conference. I thought they were going to be like dead last. Yeah, they they've pl- they've been more impressive in the conference play than I expected. U- UMass. Um, they lack the outside shooting to really, really. We'll, scare we'll get to me. that in a second. <laughs> um, but I, you know, their their inside presence is good. While we're at five through eight, Connor, remind the audience when we get to the A10 conference play, what seeds have won it all? Uh, on, on the top of my head, yeah, it's uh, and there's been ten A10 tournaments since we've joined. So this is year twelve for us. We obviously didn't have a tournament. It's three one seeds have won it. Uh, three four seeds. That's six. A five seed seven. Two six seeds. Eight nine and one three seed. There you go. So that's pretty good odds that a five or six seed could make some noise. No fours, three four. St. Joe's twice, oh, three and, fours, and Rhode Island and Pittsburgh when they beat us. We we've lost to a four seed. The three four seeds is Joe's twice in Brooklyn and <laughs> Rhode Island. Oh uh, yeah, I've already pl- this segment before Brooklyn. Oh yeah, we're just gonna do this again. I already I already have it all all spread out, guys. I'm ready. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I'll finish off the standings for AWOD. So fourth is VCU eight and three. Third Loyola nine and two. Second, Dayton ten and two, and Richmond nine and one. And Connor and I have talked about it, but there's the day off Friday again. So if you get a double buy, you have Thursday and then day off Friday and then um, Saturday, Sunday. So even for the five through eight group, they're not going to have to win four in four days, which is big. Yeah, Richmond plays tonight against UMass. Uh, but you know, I am really interested to see how Loyola Chicago closes out their season. St. Joseph's tonight, and then it's Rhode Island, George Mason, St. Bonaventure. I could see them winning all four of those games. Yeah, I, I could definitely see them closing Dayton. out strong. Um, it's going to be hard to catch them. It's going to be hard to catch Dayton and Richmond too. Well, the I nice mean, thing about it, them is they're on our schedule, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of control your own destiny. Yeah, uh, especially with Richmond, but they're outside of us. Their schedule. Uh, they, is they they play at Mason the last game of the year. Yeah, they are. It's yeah. it's home UMass tonight. Other than that, man, it's like home UMass, home VCU, and at and at Mason. Other than that, they, sh- I'd be if they finish fourteen and four or worse, they've they've kind of effed up the end of their season, in my opinion. I, I I could see them dropping two. Yeah, but like fourteen, if they if they were like thirteen and five, they they stink at going into Brooklyn. I will say that. So. Yeah, Loyal is a team to watch. Loyal, they they find ways to win close games. I respect that. I don't think Loyal is great. I mean, their Ken Palm's right around 100, but they found ways to win close games. So you, you got to give them credit. So it's seven seven more games, eighteen game conference schedule. Yeah, I mean Dayton has six because yes. they they played twelve now, but everyone's around six or seven right now. All right, we've got two games to preview this week, and both of them on the road. And luckily, two of the guys from the Black Gold Fan Podcast will be there in person. Chris Mason and Connor Bailey. Tell us a little about your St. Louis trip. So uh, two good friends of ours, uh, I know Adam, Adam's met him before, uh, Philip and Claire. Claire was uh, our year at VCU 2015, and her uh, husband, Philip uh, was 2009 at VCU, played baseball. And uh, they moved to St. Louis this past summer, summer 2023. Claire is a, was born and raised in St. Louis, but had been here for the last 12 years. And I remember on our the, the pairings for the A-10 got announced like late June, early July. And I remember on my bachelor trip in Chicago, I told Philip, I was like, hey, man, we play Salute twice. If it's a road game. I'm go- if it's a road game on a weekend, I- I- I'm going. Uh, schedule comes out like September. I was like, dude, let me get to the wedding and stuff. December, I- it was like the-, the week before Christmas, I texted them, and I was like, hey, do you guys want to do this? So, yeah, yeah, Chris and I are flying out Friday morning. Um, uh, Gabrielle from the upper uh, – now she's now Brooklyn, actually. Yeah. She's flying out there, and our friends Brahman and Ryan are going, too. So, it's we're rolling seven deep to – or yeah, uh, yeah, six deep, excuse me, to, <laughs> to-, to-, to St. Louis, man. It's yeah, and it's uh- – Connor says get to his house at 4 a.m. because we have a 6 a.m. flight, so that'll be fun waking up super early and hearing Connor talk about remaining schedules for teams <laughs> oh, yeah, driving yeah. there. But, uh, and it's also supposed to snow. It's going to be like a high of 38, so great the vacation destination. Cold outside, but hopefully hot inside, man. I've never been to, I've never been to St. Louis, never been to Shafet's Arena. I know the arena's very nice. VCU won the CBI in 2010 there, fun fact. All right, Caleb, so we'll throw to you to preview the game. I, I want to say first, though, I think the obvious thing is you can't let Gibson Jimerson go off. Yeah, I think the blueprints there from the first game. What did he have? Two points. Uh, we did a really good job keeping him off for the one three from three. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, just a reminder: based on out of bounds plays, Gibson Jimerson loves to get threes out of that, and um, they're they're really good at running him some sets there. Uh, 
And like we said a minute ago, Sincere Parker has just been killing it scoring lately with two 30-point games. Um, he's shooting 41% from three. And uh, Larry Hughes, the second. Junior, yeah. Junior, the second. <laughs> he can also get hot from D. He's shooting over 40% from three. So Sincere um, Parker had a really good game against us, didn't he? Yeah, he, was at the he, he had over 20-some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that Terrence Hargrove, ultimate glue guy, does a lot. He's probably – asked to play a little bigger than he should be. Um, he pretty much plays their four, but he's a really good player, and he can shoot some too. Yeah, if he's hitting um, the outside shot, you're in trouble. Yeah, Tim Dalger, who was starting for them for a while, he has uh, left the team. Uh, but Bradley has a Wiro. He's a big, big body. He played against us in that first game. Um, he's a truck. And, you know, I thought we did a good job against him uh, in the first game, but Furman needs to use his size um, effectively against him. But, I mean, it just – what it boils down to is really mimicking what we did in the first game against them. But you just you can't let them get hot, especially at home. Um, I know, Awad, you like to say this a lot, but start off hot. Yeah. You know, start off with a lead. Don't let don't let the crowd really get into it. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that, you know, we should win this game. The guys got to come focused because there's a lot of noise right now and a lot of things to think about with UMass on the horizon and what you just did. But you got to keep the ball rolling in a positive way. You know they had a good weekend or a good week in Philly last week, scoring was it 102 points against LaSalle, 87 against St. Joe's. Since we beat them four weeks ago, they're still one and four. Uh, Slew's not good. I mean the, the bottom the I don't know if it, I'd say the bottom has fallen out yet. If it hasn't, it's darn close. But I mean it, you go on social media with some of our Slew friends and stuff. It's it, it's not a good scene there. Uh, but like Caleb said, they're still a good three point shooting. They're top 16 in the nation in three point shooting. You just don't want it to turn into a game like St. Joe's earlier this year, where St. Joe's decided to run a two-three defense and St. Louis couldn't miss a shot. Uh, so, but St. Louis, for the most part, nothing. What they're not good at hasn't changed since we played them four weeks ago. They're still awful defensively, still awful at effective field goal percentage. Still, they're 348th in the nation in defensive turnover percentage. They don't get turnovers, and they're 223rd in the nation in offensive turnover percentage. So they turn the ball over. So we just got to play our game. Look, we we beat them by 24 at home. I'm not saying we got to go win by 24 at Shea Feds, but we play our game. I I'm not even worried about it. No, but it's it's a tough defensive task. I mean, look, this is a team that can really score the ball, and like Caleb was saying, they have multiple good three point shooters. I, I, my biggest worry is, like you're saying, the outside noise here. To be able to lock down defensively, like you did against Dayton, like you did against Richmond, they're going to have to bring in on the defensive end. And then someone's going to have to hit some shots, too, because St. Louis will find a way to probably score 65 or 70. Yeah, I mean, that game against St. Joe's, I think both it was like 88 to 87 or something like that. Just, you know, I mean, a high-scoring a high scoring game, which is what they want to do. So we have to impose our defensive um, our defensive style on them and, and, and probably slow the game down. I never thought I'd say that I wanted to see us slow a game down. But, um, yeah, I think that that, that, that might be key. Uh, because they're not going to want to play a half-court set because their Ken Palm uh, adjusted tempo. Uh, they're, I mean, they they play fast. Yeah. They're their uh, average possession possession length on defense is first in the conference. So they're they'll they'll let people get after it on offense. And, and look, if it's a slower game and it's a half-court game, the Rams have got to find a way to cause some turnovers and get some fast break points. Because if it's just half-court set versus half-court set, I don't love our chances on the road. I'm more worried about making sure my flight gets to St. Louis on time. I'm not like I'm. I'm not saying we win by 30, but they're not good. It's a mess. We play our game. You know, uh, enjoy your Friday night, guys. And Saturday, we'll all be having a good time. I, I hope so. Uh, one other thing is we've been doing really well on Friday ten games. I don't know exactly we, what the record is. We haven't lost since. 20 like two we haven't lost since january of 2022 when we lost at st bonaventure on friday 10 games yeah and i'm i'm a guy I mean, we won that, seven straight friday uh, yeah, i'm a guy games. that gets kind of scared of probabilities and streaks and stuff and it's like at some point you you're gonna drop one but i just don't let it be this game because we, can, we absolutely should win we can lose that date and that will be the one yeah, yeah. One. we yeah. won seven yeah. straight yeah <laughs> i mean hopefully not but yes it, it just don't not this game yeah <laughs> i i just I, I want us to show up prepared uh, show up energized, and you're right. I think a fast start is huge when you're on the road, especially a place like St. Louis. I was just going to say, according to Zach Joachim, I watched a press conference yesterday, Shulga's shoulder should be good. Yeah. He's just like trying to do not yeah. bang into it at practice. And, and it he, worked out well that you know he hasn't played since Friday. I was thinking it's kind of like um, like we had that whole week off. It kind of was like an NFL team when they went on a Thursday night, and then they have yeah. like – 
till the they have like ten days off until next Sunday. Yeah, night. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the second road game, which will be February twentieth, Tuesday night at UMass. Connor, give us your thoughts. So I mentioned that I was not worried at all about St. Louis. UMass is a different story, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, for record, as we record this podcast, UMass is 15-8 and eight overall. They're 6-5 and five in the A-10. They play at the Robin Center, uh, tip-offs in a little less than an hour while we record this, and then they go to LaSalle this Saturday. So they'll they'll play two more games since then. Uh, thing to keep track of, UMass, we just mentioned the standings. They're, they're kind of in that 5th to 8th place. They could finish 5th. They could be in the 8-9 game. We'll kind of see what ha- how the rest of the season goes. Big thing for UMass, this is year two of Frank Martin. Uh, they have not finished in the top 100 of Ken Palm. Do you guys know what year was the last time they finished top top hundred Ken Palm? Twenty fourteen. Yes, 2013-14, The year <laughs> that was the age, first date I ever got right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the year the, the year that the A ten got six six I'm bids. I'm Connor. <laughs> you rub it off feels. <laughs> yeah, the the A ten got six bids uh, in 2013-14. They were an NCAA six seed that year. Uh, came out in fifty. So they're I think they're right at like ninety. They're like ninety seven or ninety eight right now. Who was the point guard on that team? Chaz, Chaz Williams. Yeah. You know where he, you know where he transferred from? Uh, Providence. Hofstra. We, uh, we played him in the CAA at Hofstra. We definitely really? sat behind his we parents, sat, right? We sat behind his brother. Yeah, dude. He was, <laughs> he was cool. Losing his mind. That was year one, 2013. Uh, it was the 6-11 game, GW dude, he was UMass. slippery. He was yeah. quick. Chaz, he like Chaz, 5-6? He, yeah, could, he was really he, he was a tank. He could yeah. hoop, dude. Good, good pulls. Guys. A-10's got some really good point guards of the past. Oh, dude. Yeah. We had some good ones. But uh, anyways, I mentioned all this with UMass. They're having a good, good kind of a resurgence this year. So a couple things I want to point out. The biggest stat, UMass is 10th. In the nation. So first and they attend an offensive rebound percentage. We know how the road Davidson and Bonaventure games went. We, we went one in one of those games, but it felt like every possession they were getting an offensive rebound. It was awful. Caleb mentioned this earlier about UMass three-point shooting team, and part of the reason why they're a good offensive rebounding team is because they're <laughs> 260th in the nation, dead last in the 8 10 and offensive three-point field goal percentage. So they don't hit threes. Now, they got Josh Cohen and Matt Cross are big boys. They, they can play down low, so, so it's it's kind of twofold. It's They have guys who get offensive rebounds, but they also miss a lot of three-pointers. Uh, so that's something to watch next next Tuesday. I'm not saying we lose at UMass, but whenever we play in that arena, man, it's, you know, we're, we're I think, I believe we're two and three all time there because UMass is a team we've only ever played once a season, so we only go every other year. You know, it's it's a hockey arena part time, so like the students aren't close to the court at all. It's not like GW or St. Bonaventure where they're kind of on the they're kind of on the court. They're farther away. It's one of those you can kind of hear like if a VCU fans at the UMass game, you can usually hear them because it's so spread out. It's it's the kind of arena kind of like Davidson. I always get annoyed when we play at UMass, uh, and they're going to get offensive rebounds. So just jot that down. Uh, good offense, seventy eighth in the nation, third in the A ten in offensive efficiency. So those are just some stats you got to focus on from UMass point of view. They are a different style team in my opinion, than we played the most teams we played this year. Yeah, looking at their numbers, uh, this has rock fight written all over it. Uh, they lead the conference in two-point scoring. Uh, they're, they're they're really good at turning you over. Their turnover percentage on defense is uh, number one in the conference. Mm-hmm. So we really got to protect the ball. Um, but, yeah, they're, 15, <laughs> they're the last in the conference in three-pointers three as a percentage of their points. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to bang it down low. It's just going to be a uh, – I, I think it will be a rock fight. ODU 2011, man. It's going to yeah. feel like that. And, yeah, like you said, the offensive rebound. <laughs> Matt Cross is the guy that I'm familiar with on their team. He's got a good game. I'm scared of him. But I don't know enough about Razul Diggins. Yeah, he's um, he's, he's kind of like a, a slender guy. He's, he's pretty quick, but he's not super athletic. But um, I think he transferred from Connecticut. Cohen's definitely he definitely came from St. Francis. Yeah, uh, I, I think Diggins. Russell Diggins was sure. a was a big time recruit coming into high school. Okay, I'm not sure about that. Um, or coming out of high school. But yeah, I mean he, he he's a solid player. Uh he's I, I don't I don't say this with well, I guess this will sound disrespectful, but he's a type of talent that we've seen already this year. I mean, he's not just gonna like blow you away. Um, but he, the, he, he's the a pretty good shooter. From Caleb right now, yeah, dude. I mean, like if 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 it's a scouting report, you're like, you've seen better scores. But I mean, he can get it done. Uh, so it's, you definitely, you definitely gotta to watch him. I think I saw him hit five threes against Rhode Island on Sunday. So yeah, I mean, he, he was he was like the reason yeah. they pulled away. Until and, and I think they were all in the second half. Yeah, he so. he was balling out against Rhodey, and that's a rivalry. So, game and too. Matt Cross, super well rounded guy, um, tough as nails. He wear is he wear is he number thirty three? I think that sounds right. Yeah, he wants to be Larry Bird, and he plays kind of like him. Yeah, that's um, a good point. And I mean that like with, that I mean with respect. <laughs> he's a he's a banger. Uh, he's always on the floor too. He's always getting loose balls. Josh <laughs> Cohen. Just very reminiscent of Neil Quinn. Um, really, really polished. Has really good touch around the basket. Maybe a little more, um, not not quite the assist guy that Neil Quinn is, but just a, a good, well-rounded player. And their two guards, um, I forget their names. I have to look at their roster. 
uh, Thompson, I think. Keon and, Thompson. Yeah, yeah, Keon Thompson. And there's another guy. Um, what's his name? Jaden. Jalen Curry. Oh, he's a freshman. Uh, Jaden and 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 Oh, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys, they're just tough. They're just tough defenders. Um, kind of remind me of like Theus a little bit. Just tough guys. So, um, yeah, I think that you know if we're gonna if we're gonna do the rock fight thing, um, we're gonna have to shoot pretty well from three and and uh, yeah, play tough, dude. You can always get in touch with us on social media at Black Gold Fan Pod on Twitter and Instagram. It's time for this week in VCU history. We hand it off to Connor Bailey. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. Ram fans, this game was from 2009, uh, so our friend Mr. Chill on YouTube didn't quite uh, produce a video of this, so I don't have any uh, play-by-play for you. But uh, anyways, February 20, February 11th, excuse me, 2009, VCU was 10-3 in the CAA and 17-7 and overall, uh, trailing Northeastern by one game. This is Anthony Grant's last year at VCU, Eric Maynard's senior year. <clears throat> An upstart JMU Dukes team, and I'm going to get with you in a second on that, Caleb, mm. came in 8-5 and five <laughs> in the CAA, 16-9 overall. This is current DePaul interim head coach, or interim coach Matt Brady's first year as head coach at JMU. So they were pretty solid, man. They came to the Seagull Center. And, look, I'm not going to give you the play-by-play because I don't have it. But they were. it was one of those games where a team, uh, you know, let's say down the stretch, this it would be like George Mason. George Mason, a, a team in the C, in the A-10 who's kind of middle of the pack, kind of fighting. They, they've never broken through. That was JMU basketball for years. You know, Honestly, they were towards the bottom actually, but they they never they could never find a way to break through. This year, they joined this there in the CAA. They finished seventh, and they kind of they were punching us in the face the whole game at the Seagull Center. Julius Wells was a freshman for them, and he scored twenty points, and was four bay from three. And my brother's friend Jermaine, who had season tickets with us, and Jermaine, when you hear this, you're probably gonna laugh. You called him a shooting mofo in the middle of that game because he was just popping threes. And, Caleb, you probably remember Julius Wells. The guy could shoot. Yep, yep, yep. He could, he, could get, he, he also was not afraid to shoot either. Like, nah. he was ready to shoot. But I remember Jermaine called him a shoot mofo. He didn't say mofo. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, but uh, late in the game, we're trailing 62-60 to 60, uh, with a, a little less than seven seconds left. And Maynard, we have an inbounds. Anthony Grant calls a timeout. Maynard gets fouled. Devon Moore, freshman Devon Moore, played five years at JMU. Good player. Kind of made up, got too close up and got a bad foul. Uh, I've seen some VCU, great VCU players in my life. I think easily... Maynard is a top three player I'd want on the foul line, down two with six seconds left. Him, Dominic Jones, and uh, Jake Long. Yeah, Jake, Jake Long was money. I, I was going to say Joey first, but yeah. yeah but yeah. anyway, Maynard sinks both, and we go to overtime. Uh, VCU ends up winning at overtime. Uh, Joey hits a big – so 62-62 in overtime. Joey hits a big three to, to take it to take a 70-67 to lead. Uh, and then big shot, big shot Brad Burgess hits a three to when it's 72-71 to with uh, 20 seconds left. Uh, Greg Burton had a fun call and stuff. He's like, he's a freshman and stuff. But it was a fun game for JMU – or against JMU. Um, and we ended up winning the CA that year and finished first. But uh, – I'm going to switch it up, Caleb. Give me some players for JMU in 2009 who you think scored that night. Oh. And I've, I've already mentioned Julius Wells and Devon Moore. And yeah. Caleb is a JMU grad. What yes. year? This, this was your last. 2009. This is your senior year, man. So um, Let me get the ding and the dong ready. Got to go with uh, Andre Seminov. He didn't play in this game. He was there. Yeah, he like, was on the team, he right? was, he, This was what year, like four of like 14 for him? Dude, yeah. He was there for a long time. Okay, he didn't uh, play this game. Juwan James. Uh, I think he I think he graduated that year. Yeah, all right. Well, oh, I might not get anything. <laughs> Uh, There's one dude I know. You, I think you should ben get Ben Louie. Yeah, he sc- he scored 11 points. Good point. Uh, yeah, he used to play. He dunked on me in pickup. One time. <laughs> yeah, Ben. Yeah, Ben Louie could play a little bit. There's one dude I definitely remember. Um, D- Denzel Bowles. No, that he, was I, he was at A and M still. Yeah. Um, who? Uh, you can see how much I care. Yeah, this week in Duke's yeah. history. Um, <laughs> give him a hint. This dude's first name is Kyle. Uh oh. Kyle, oh, um, I can see him in my head. It's I not can... Samsonite from Dumb and Dumber, but it's almost like that. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't, that doesn't help. Kyle, he, Kyle Swanston. Ah, Kyle yeah, Swanston he, he had a Louis Vuitton truck that could drive around <laughs> campus. Yeah, I'm sure. Straight he... up, it was all yellow with the truck cover was Louis Vuitton white. All right, he's the he's the only other last name. I, it was Curtis? Was his first name Pierre? Yeah. Okay. I, I, de- I definitely recognize. That. I don't remember anyone else. Kyle Swanson's the dude. I definitely remember. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. The- oh, well, was Gabriel Chami on that team? Uh, it doesn't look like it. No. no. Damn. But, no. It was, it was a fu- <laughs> it was a fun win for the Rams. Manor had a cool twenty two and uh, nine twenty two points, nine assists, but a fun win at the Seagull Center. And most importantly, my brother's friend Jermaine uh, called Julius Wells a shooting mofo that night. <laughs> so fun win for the Rams. I love that. Now it's time for a Wad's energy. 
It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? I am extremely excited for the A-10 conference tournament. That's kind of why I was buzzing when we were going through the seeds, and I'm hoping VCU can lock in the double bye. But my energy this week is for the fact that VCU is 3-0 against the top four in the conference. And I think that puts nerves, puts fear in other teams in this conference to see that, yeah, we beat Dayton, we beat Richmond, we handled Loyola, only losses, both to St. Bonaventure, and when GW got hot and had a fluke win at the Stew. But besides that, we've knocked off all the top competition, and oh yeah, we're coming for you at Dayton, we're coming for you at Richmond. I think there's a chance VCU ends up winning the A-10 regular season title, which is something that I didn't think people thought was possible the day when we lost seven transfers. Love the energy. Uh, it's it's a lofty goal, um, and I think that this team can certainly uh, get in a position where that could be a possibility. I I do wonder a little bit about uh, some of these other teams' schedules, uh, making that a little more difficult. Uh, but, yeah, when you look back to the first two games of the season, uh, of our conference season, when we lost to St. Bonaventure and GW at home, and, you know, everyone in the A-10 – you know, just because we've been good for a long time in the A-10, we're just ready to tap dance on our grave. Oh, yeah. The guy you know, said like George Mason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I said keep that same energy when we come right. to Fairfax. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, uh, sure enough, we're in, a, we're in a position to be in position to, to be a threat at the end of the season, uh, both in conference play and hopefully make the tournament. So, yes, get that top four, that top four seed, get the double bye, and let's make some noise in Brooklyn. That was definitely a Rothschildism right there. Be in position to be in position. Yeah. He's a big, he's a big be in position to be in position guy. Um, following up with what you guys said before the Richmond game, I thought we were a good basketball team. But I mean, this is fair you, to to be the. I mean, I'm not saying Richmond's barred on the best team, the first place first place standing. Until we beat Richmond, after we beat Richmond, I was kind of like, you know what, this team's damn good. I was still skeptical prior to that game, especially coming off the Bonaventure loss. And then, then the last week kind of happens, and uh, you know we go to Ford. I'm kind of slept through the first half, get a big win, and then I was like, you know what. Let's just go beat Dayton. I'm not saying we're the best team in the conference, and anything can happen on a neutral court in Brooklyn or the rest of the season, but I'm a believer that this team has the both skill and cojones to finish first. You got to beat the best to be the best. <laughs> yeah, you got to beat the man to be the man. Uh, but <laughs> Woo! Just, to, just to bring it back just a little bit, um, we have won both of these games at home, right? We got to keep that in mind. What it what we've proven to ourselves and hopefully to the team is we we should be confident enough to know that we can beat them anywhere. So just remember that, okay? So like we can win this tournament because we've shown we can beat all three of the teams above us in the standings. So just remember that. You're listening to the Black Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the New Sports Radio nine ten the fan now at one oh five one FM. I'm Adam Epstein. You can check out AWOD Radio Monday through Friday on the fan from 12 to 3 p.m. and always available for free on the Odyssey app. Programming note, tomorrow at 1 p.m., I'll air my conversation with Sean Barstow. Sat down with him at the BDC earlier today following what he called a high-intensity practice uh, with Ryan Odom's squad. Uh, Caleb asked me to uh, – what did you? What was the question you wanted me to ask Sean? Uh well, mine was a little more wordy than I think that <laughs> I, I don't know. I have to hear your. I interview. think it was offensive but, set, something like but that. But yes, so basically, uh, Sean Berso knows Ryan Odom's offense inside out. I want to know if we've seen the extent of the playbook uh, here at VCU, or if there's a lot of things that we just have not unveiled yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that. So I had that question, and then the other question I had was. Sean Bairstow, uh, we've seen you play some pretty impressive games. You've played a lot of different roles. What's the one thing we have not seen you do yet? So you can hear this full conversation tomorrow at 1 p.m., but here's a little clip. Are there any strengths to your game that you think we haven't seen yet? Um, yeah, I think I can definitely shoot the ball a lot better. You know, I shot near 40% last year, and I'm in the teens this year. So uh, I think that has something to do with just being in rhythm and stuff. But I feel like when a couple fall, then the floodgates will open. Floodgates will open. Yeah, I, I'm, not too too worried because look at two K, 
uh, for 16 to start the season. He got it going. Like he said, rhythm. Once he gets, once he sees that ball go through the basket a few times, uh, we were talking this, talking about this before we came out to the studio. But Sean Barso, give me a multiple three point shooting make performance, and I think he might start stacking them up. Yeah, he definitely has the look to it. He's listed as a guard now by CK. So, yeah, if he can knock some down, that opened up things even more, and he definitely looks like he can. Yeah, I mean, it gave me a lot of confidence that that was his answer. Yeah, I'm a better shooter than what you've seen. And, you know, the statistics from last season prove that. And, and really, I like his stroke. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's not like it's got a hitch in it. Uh, you know, he's a taller guard, so he's going to be able to shoot over people. And so it's good-looking form. Yeah, switch one against Mason, switch one against Fordham. They both looked very calm, confident, clean shots. And um, I do look for him to start hitting some more threes, which could really, really open up this offense. Absolutely. You guys also asked me to talk to him about Nate's bagels. He's a big fan of that. Connor, why did you know – how did you know he was a fan of Nate's bagels? We had fun at Curbside Friday night. <laughs> we got <laughs> got some intel on the – Richmond bagel scene. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I'm a big bagel fan myself. All right. So you can always send us a voicemail at Black Gold Fan Podcast. Who's this one coming from, Connor? Rich from the Gola Boys. Yo, Black and Gold Fan Pod. This is one of the Gola Boys, Rich. Just wanted to call in and talk about our trip this past weekend. On Friday, before the VCU Dayton game, we hit ZZQ. Really good barbecue. And then we hit Village Cafe, which was also really good and great atmosphere. Saw a bunch of VCU fans, and that you know fired us up before we headed into the Seagull Center uh, for Friday ten. You know what an electric game that was. You know against Staten, one of the most electric games I've ever seen in the forties. You know the Peppas were outstanding. You know Seagull Center is you know such a sick venue and very intimate and cool. Uh, you know, we had a lot of gr- we had a great time meeting a lot of VCU fans, including Connor. So our question is, if VCU is going to make a run in the A-10 tournament, what is their ideal path to get to the title game? All right. Thank you, guys. Good luck. Rich, appreciate the voicemail, man. It was great meeting you and Dennis uh, on a Friday night. You guys had great seats, too, by the way, man. But uh, cool, it's cool you guys went to ZZQ. ZZQ's got great barbecue. Those pickled onions, when you get the, I think they make the whole meal. Just, just you, you get a bunch of meat, you get a bunch of snacks, throw a little free pickled onions on, and it's awesome. I think it's the best brisket in town. Oh, it's it's, so it's, good. it's excellent. You, know, you got to go early too, because by two p.m. it's gone. Uh, and the Village Cafe, obviously, always a good good choice. Uh, yeah, ask a good question, and I think it's we kind of mentioned earlier with standings. I think it's an appropriate question now. January, it's too far out, and we'll you know we'll discuss this each week and such. But um, I, I think it's hard to VC, I don't see VCU finishing first or second. I think it's just. Numbers wise, it's gonna be harder. I, I think three or four seeds probably what, what it's gonna be at. And we kind of mentioned those teams: Bonaventure, George Mason, St. Joe's, and UMass. Uh, Bonaventure has been a thorn on our side for a couple of years now, um, so that, that's the easiest one to say we don't want to play. I would love to be like a four, th- three or four seed, and have Joe's as the five or six because I could see a, I could see St. Joe's just blowing one on Wednesday against a team from the Pillow Fight, and I just I don't trust them at all. Um, and I would love if if Richmond or Dayton are one and two, which odds wise that's probably what's going to happen. One of those seeds, I would love to play Richmond on a neutral court again prior to Sunday. Yeah, uh, he sounds like an, every other caller on WIP, the Philly radio station. <laughs> so um, yeah, and shout out to being a LaSalle fan. They haven't had much success since the Southwest Philly floater. So props to you. Um, sorry, before we leave the Southwest Philly floater, Tyrone Garland is my favorite non VCU A10 player of all time. <laughs> Dog. So there we go. That dude was sick. Uh, but yeah, Awad, sorry. Yeah, no, um, you know, speaking about the pathway here, uh, I kind of like VCU's chances as a four seed. Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, but that would mean we get the late game both nights. No, no three, two three, gets the latest. Three, three two gets, gets the, latest. the latest. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Two, two, I mean, I believe when we've been the two seed, we always put it like six or six thirty. Okay. Well, then I, I changed. Was my, like I just want to no. be the late game yeah. because I do think that's, that's when you have the best crowds well, and we know where we Nation beat, travels. Well. We got beat by Richmond two years ago as the three seed. That's the only thing I'm gonna yeah, throw. Yeah, well, that was what in DC, right? Yeah. yeah. It was like a, that's an hour and a half from Richmond. Dude. Come <laughs> on, bro. The one seed sucks. It's like a Ram new Nation tip. doesn't I, like DC. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I don't. I don't. I don't like the one seed. Dude. The I, one should, seed should play at nine. Big Big Twelve does the two thirty game for one seed, which I think is so much cooler than everyone. Yeah, and then. In the four or five matchup, I'd love to match up against Mason if they could make it up to the five because we they just, won't make it. We to the five. stomp. <laughs> we always stomp on Fairfax. Yeah, we we don't we, we don't lose them in the conference tournaments. It's just it's like you know it's in the bylaws of going attending BCU and attending George Mason. <laughs> 
All right, now it's time for final thoughts, and we'll start with Chris Mason. Know your role and shut your mouth. So I got in contact with my offshore bookie for some St. Louis trip bets like I did for the <laughs> wedding. Nice. Um, first one is how many random people will Connor tell that he's a Cubs fan by trade? So we're going th- through um, they, we're going through O'Hare. There's some opportunity there in Chicago. He's I didn't know this before. He's uh, wearing his Cubs hat. So it opened at four and a half over under, and it's been moving up. So now the line's at six and a half. Or the, Dude, or, put that line at 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100 the, plus. I, I, would, I would take the over on that. <laughs> yeah, other one, um, I was looking for the average time to walk up the arch, but I found out in my research this morning that um, it's only a tram. So the question is yes or no. Will we make our 10.30 a.m. appointment where the temperature is going to, on Saturday morning, the temperature is going to be like 30 degrees? Well, we might be coming off a big VCU victory night. Um, will we make it? Yes, minus 200. No, plus 800. Uh, you want to know my answer? It's no. <laughs> yeah. That's going to, that's a total reschedule. <laughs> you, you, got, you guys, I'm yeah, ready. you get up. Yeah. Chris, Chris might have a slow morning. Yeah. Yeah. Respectfully, yeah, respectfully Gabrielle ain't getting up. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Gab. Yeah. I, I was going to say, is there any prop action on, on Gab? Braun, Braun will get up. I she's, said, she's um, yeah, I saw the line. What time will Gab choke up and be like, oh my God, I love hanging out with all my friends and get a tear in her eye? <laughs> oh, I'll, say, I'll get a two, text. Yeah. 2 12 p.m. Friday. Yeah. I'd yeah. say, after, take, after barbecue. I'll take that money. For sure. No, I think you guys are going to have a great trip. Uh, I'm jealous of it. I just definitely didn't want to hop on another airplane yeah. after a crazy week in Vegas. But, uh, no, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. Have, have a good trip, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Connor. Have some social coverage out there. Yeah. What are your final thoughts? Know your role and shut your mouth. Caleb alluded to our Friday Friday 10 success lately. Uh, so, BC's won seven straight Friday 10 games. Uh, we lost to Bonaventure in January of 2022. We beat Richmond at home later that year. Last year, we won at Dayton. One at U of R, one at SLU. We actually, that was like the one-year anniversary. So the three of us watched that at, at Nixon's watch party and got hammered that night. That's a different discussion, though. Um, and then we, we, we beat Richmond at home the end of last year. And then this year, we beat SLU at home and Dayton at home. So we've won seven straight Friday 10 games. Let's make it eight. And we're two and three all-time in Amherst, uh, Western Mass. Uh, Shaka was 0-1, Will was 0-1, and Mike Rhodes was 2-1 there. Uh, so we're two and three all-time there. Let's make it three and three in Amherst. Know your role and shut your mouth. Uh, pretty simple. Just, uh, keep winning. Keep surprising me with different ways to win, but more importantly, just keep winning. Cause I think this team is pretty, pretty resilient in a lot of different ways. And, uh, has been good about, you know, closing out games that earlier in the year they weren't. So yeah, just keep, keep it rolling. My final thoughts are, I want a bunch of listeners of the podcast to come to Brooklyn, New York. I've already been talking with the VCU New York alumni crew. I want to do maybe a watch party or get everyone together. I might be doing my show from Black Forest uh, Bar in Brooklyn once again. So I know we're all going to be there. We wanted Last year, we didn't do a live pod in Brooklyn. We need to do one this year. That's my final thoughts. Yeah, I'm in. In. We did some radio interviews. but We did do radio interviews, yeah. You guys were a few beers deep, though. We shouldn't let my boss know. I thought it helped. (laughs) Radio confidence, baby. Yep. You've been listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Go Rams, go. We appreciate you checking out the show.